listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Let us pray. May the word of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts and the actions in our lives be now and always acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, this is uh, my final <laughs> Sunday with you, um, filling in, and um, I'm sure everybody's excited because Andrew will be starting very shortly, and that'll, that'll be just great for everybody. But it's been wonderful to be with you, and uh, I've really appreciated the affirmation that I've had at times and, and the friendliness of the congregation. Um, tonight, I wanted to talk to you about two things. One to um, look briefly at the gospel reading tonight. And then secondly, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, about the liturgy and um, about one particular part of the liturgy that I hope will be an example for looking at the rest of the liturgy. So we're reading from Mark, and Mark is the earliest of the, of the gospels. Um, probably written some 30 years or so um, after the life of Christ. Um, and he tells a very quick story. Like, it's very brief. It starts abruptly, and it ends abruptly. And he's in a hurry, and you, all the connecting pieces are like, and immediately, and then, and he, you know. And it's, so it kind of gets you galloping through, which I think is supposed to help us recognize the urgency of Jesus' mission, Jesus' message. He knew he only had a while to proclaim his gospel before the religious authorities, the temple authorities, and the, and the Romans and others would want to destroy him. So, so far in Mark, um, it started with John the Baptist in the wilderness, uh, baptizing people with a baptism of repentance for the becoming of the kingdom. And Jesus shows up and he himself is baptized and comes out of the water and then he receives the Holy Spirit and we he, he hears those wonderful words, you are my son, the beloved, in you I am well pleased. And then according to Mark, he is immediately whisked off into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and for 40 nights. And there he is able to resist the kind of the temptations of humans, the, 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 the need for, for bodily comforts and for safety and for power. And he comes out of there refreshed with his mission clearly in mind. And the first thing he does, he goes off to Galilee amongst the villages, but he's walking along the lake. And the first thing he does is select disciples. It's the very first action he does. Disciples or apprentices, if you want to call them that. He's walking along the lake and he sees Simon and Andrew and they're casting their nets into the sea, into the lake to catch fish. He sees something in Simon, something in Andrew that he can make use of as his apprentices. And so he calls them and says, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of people. I don't know what it was he saw in those two. 
whether it was their way they worked together in fishing and, and taking it seriously, what, what it was, but something he saw. And they saw something in Jesus because amazingly they put down their nets and they followed this guy. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know what they were following into. But they knew they had to follow him. Jesus continued along the lake and he saw the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and they were diligently fixing the nets, kind of boring, laborious work, looking for the tears in the net, Why putting them all together and doing them up. And he saw something in John and something in James that he could use as his disciples, and he called them. And they must have seen something wonderful in Jesus because they did the, an audacious thing. They left their father. In those days, you did not leave your father. If you want to know about it, read the, the, the um, parable of the, the prodigal son. <laughs> and they left there, and they went with him. So I was thinking about what does this say for us? I think what it says is that Jesus has called us, each one of us. And Jesus has seen something in you, and something in you, and something in all of you, every one of you, that he can use as his apprenticeship to carry on his mission to bring about the kingdom of God. So whatever it is, we need to find that out. What is that? thing that Jesus sees in us. And so I think we need to be discerning what gift is it that God has given me that Jesus has seen and Jesus can use to bring about the kingdom, to help in that work. To find that out, we may need to engage with a friend or somebody we trust to help them reflect on us to see what it is that we have that Jesus might be wanting to use. And so I think there's three parts to this. The first is to do that reflection to find out what is, the, what is this gift. The second is to think about, well, now I've got that gift, what is it to be used for? How best can that gift be used? In what mission, what ministry? Once you've done that, the next one is go do it. <laughs> it's pretty simple as that. Just get on with it. We're coming up to the time, very quickly, to the time of Lent this year, and I think that's a wonderful time to sit there and discern about, think about, what is it that Jesus sees in me that he wants to use in me, and how might I go about that? The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was liturgy a little bit. You have a very unique, special liturgy here. And it's an abbreviated kind of version of some of the BAS worship. Um, and it's filled with beautiful music that envelops us. And one of the things I think about worship and liturgy is sometimes we can skip over parts and miss what it's about. With the music, you've fixed that because you have that repetitiveness that brings those words back and back and back until you're, you're immersed in it and it sinks in. 
But when we get to the prayers, we kind of shum, 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 we're through them. <laughs> and we don't have time to stop and think and what is it about. So I wanted to talk about, and it's funny, because I wanted to talk about the, the collect for purity. All the other days I've been here, you've had the collect for purity. But like I look at the menu and it's off. <laughs> There's no collect for purity. But I'm going to go there anyway. So, you remember the collect for purity that's, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. So let's just go through that a little bit. Almighty God, to, whoa, just a second here. What are we saying? Almighty God. This isn't some little address, dear sir or madam, or to whom it may concern. This is addressing Almighty God. We should be awestruck that we're doing this. We should, we should be laying down with our heads covered to say, Almighty God, me, us, we're talking to God. I think it would be good at times to pause after the opening things, Almighty God or loving, loving God or Father and just stop and think about the audacity <laughs> of us doing this. So we go on. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open. Wow. That's a pretty amazing, wonderful thing. The heart, this is an ancient, by the way, an ancient collect, probably one of the ancient, most ancient ones we've got, probably coming out around Augustine's time, translated for the Book of Common Prayer by Cranmer when we're starting that. So it's been around for a long time. So all hearts are open. The heart was seen as the essence, the, the central part of who we are. So all hearts are open. So to this God, everything about me is known. It's kind of amazing, wonderful. But a little scary, too. To you all hearts are open. All desires known. So everything I desire, everything I am anxious for, would like to have happen, all those things, God knows. Knows every one of them. So this helps me so much in prayer. How many of you love it when you're somewhere with a group and they say, would you pray for us today? <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> not me. I can't do that. Even priests sometimes feel that way. <laughs> The wonderful thing is, if God already understands our heart's desire, we don't need clever words, we don't need the right words, we just need to connect with God. All desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. I'm not so sure about that one. <laughs> We've all got secrets. Maybe things we don't want to share with anybody. Maybe things we wish we couldn't remember. Or if we do, we cringe thinking, was that me? Did I do that? Did I say that? Did I not do that? So all those secret things, all those things we got somewhere back in here, God knows them already. So how does that help us? Well, it helps us because despite all that, or including all that, God loves us. 
And through Jesus, God loves us and cares for us. When we go to confession, and it's important that we do go to confession, you may wonder why, why do we need to go to confession if God has already forgiven us, if God already loves us, why are we doing this together? Well, the thing is, it's really God's plan is for us to be reconciliation, to be reconciled. And the steps in reconciliation are first to take ownership to admit and take responsibility for whatever part we have done to sever that relationship or damage that relationship. The second is to be asking for forgiveness. And the third is to then do our best to turn our lives around. So when we all get together, we're all acknowledging that we're in this together. Not one of us is clean. <laughs> as it were. We all need that chance to admit that we have faults, that we have failed in some way or other, and ask together to acknowledge that forgiveness that has already been won for us through Jesus. So we get to the next part with, so we've got to um, all desires known or from new, no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts. Wow. So our hearts is where we keep those secret thoughts, all those thoughts, and we're asking God to make us clean, cleanse that, despite what may be in there or whatever, clean us from that. How? How is that going to happen? Through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Now sometimes we think of inspiration as, oh, I've got the idea. Oh, I think I could. Inspiration in this case is the actual reading of the word to inspire, to breathe in. The cleansing of our hearts is through the breathing in of the Holy Spirit. And just think of that. Close your eyes sometimes and just think of breathing in God's Holy Spirit. All that cleansing and, and making well and fresh and healed. So that's what we're learning. So, through the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And why do, we, why do we need that? That we may perfectly love you. Well, think about that. Jesus said that the first and most important of all the commandments was you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. How many of us really feel we have perfectly loved God. So we're hoping, we're praying that through this cleansing, we are able to better love God. And the other one we say is, and to worthily magnify your holy name. We're here, we're magnifying God's holy name through music, through prayer, through the, the, the proclamation. And we want to be as 
pure as possible when we go to do that. And we can't do that on our own. So all of this is done to make it possible for us to really go surround this table that Christ invites us to and to receive. Not because we're worthy in our own minds, but because we're worthy to stand before Christ and God because of Christ's actions. So that's a lot we've been praying for in this little prayer. But how is it to be accomplished? Why is it to be accomplished? And it's the very end. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.